Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And just for this opportunity to just sit in this idea of the pit and we just acknowledge uh, when we are in that place, it can be really hard to trust you. It can be really hard to see anything but the darkness, but we thank you that you are with us and that we are not alone. And so we just pray for this time that you would guide the words that are said and that you would be honored by it, but also that we would come to know who you are in those hard seasons. All this we pray in his holy and precious name. Amen. So it wasn't that long ago, I was sitting in a small living room with a couple dozen believers, and we were all just feeling the heaviness of the season that that group was in. In that room, there were people who were dealing with some hard work situations. There were people who had lost their jobs. There were people who had family that had just passed. And there were people that weren't in the room because they were in the hospital. And we just had this deep sense that this was a specifically hard season for that group. And so we spent a lot of time sharing, a lot of time praying. But I remember I was struck by a passage that had stood out to me just a few days before, and it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the reason it stood out to me is because I suddenly realized that in the midst of those hard places, it can be really easy for us to be overly focused on the pain, on the injustice, on the hurt, on the anger, on the fear. And it can be really easy for us to focus on our individual situations. But here we were sitting in a room with several others who felt like they were in a particularly hard season, several others who had felt alone, several others who had felt uncared for. And I felt like what God was trying to say is, look, you are not alone. And more importantly, what you think has power over you does not. I am the one who has power. That verse, it talks about how the enemy is prowling around waiting looking for, creating situations where he can just devour. And what God is saying is that we need to resist him, standing firm in the faith because, and this is key, we resist because we know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What God was saying is, yes, we had our individual struggles. Yes, we were in hard places individually. But as a body, so many of us are in these hard seasons, and that is our strength. See, instead of focusing on our individual situations and thus isolating ourselves, God was calling us together to function as a body, to, to find unity in our shared sufferings, and in that space, to be able to resist, to be able to stand firm. And so in this episode, we hear some hard stories. We hear from my friends Garland and Murray, hard stories of the pit, of that place of deep loneliness and brokenness, 
And what I want you to hear is how God showed his power through unity, through the body, and how while we saw no way out, he knew who he was and what he was going to do. So I want you to listen for those moments of unity. And I want you to be encouraged because there's a lot of suffering going on. There are a lot of hard things, but we serve a God who is God, who is powerful, and we serve a God who is good, who loves us deeply. And though things are hard, those two things remain true. So thank you so much for listening to episode nine of the Where Did You See God podcast. One of the reasons I'm so grateful for Garland sharing his story is because I've seen him investing in and pouring into others. I know how much he loves and cares for others. And it was so encouraging for me to hear some of the origin story of what got him there, Um, how God used a season uh, in a pit of deep brokenness to mold him into the sacrificially giving and loving person that he is today. So when I was in college, I got hit with a big whammy. At least for me, it was. I shattered my patella in my right knee. I was the head choreographer for a Christian dance team at the time and only had dreams of dance being a regular part of my life. Dance was the sure way I knew how to connect with God. And spiritually, I felt that it was all of a sudden ripped from me, along with whatever I expected my purpose to be. So then begins the rut. I went into a deep depression and my grades slacked. My friends noticed a change and I felt that they could never understand what was happening internally. So I suffered alone. I didn't even reach out to God. I felt abandoned, but couldn't express it because to everyone else, I was like the perfect Christian. Thinking back in my full adulthood, I realized something powerful that got me to the place of purpose that I walk in today. God was working and he was painting a picture and he was using my friends, even though I felt that they weren't there. He used strangers, um, literally rescued me from an unknown fate. I recall walking often to and from places and just having the darkest thoughts Such as, what if I tripped and fell into traffic? Would anyone care? What if the wind blew too hard and I fell and this car hit me? Would it hurt? Um, Almost every time I went through these dark times, borderline suicidal thoughts, a friend would encourage me and or compliment me in some purposeful way. They would say just something to like bring me out of whatever was going on in my head. And it was always just really unique and weird. Uh, One friend we're walking on the street and I, I don't know if she just like noticed my eyes just like going off somewhere distance or like the blank stare that was on my face and um she was like oh you know what you're really cool at you know this thing you know um how come you never show me any of these like you know just like something to just get me out of that space and like encourage me in some way to make me feel valued it was crazy how often that that happened second the moment that kept me in the path of safety and wellness was that a little bit later when I stopped having those thoughts, but still had to deal with the repercussions of a lax semester, I was on my way from the registrar's office, um, going through all my options, and had a resolve to just quit school. It wasn't for me. I don't have anything to offer. There's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, which there isn't, but, you know, for me, who wanted more, that wasn't enough. Just recklessness all over. I saw my friend Jade on the way to my dorm. Well, I already had these thoughts on one of her friends. After we greeted each other, I was just about to head to my room and start preparing for my departure. But I don't know what power um, of God inspired in this woman. 
my friend's friend, to bully me into going out with them. But she was really relentless. And um, then my friend Jay joined in. It's like, hey, well, you should come. It'd be great. Just come on. You don't have anything important to do. Just come on. Um, but all I wanted to do was just wallow in my room and make the preparations to leave. Instead, they had me out all day going shopping, singing songs, going to our school's carnival. Um, it was a wondrous display of love and community that helped me feel seen and valued when I wasn't sure that I was. I ended up staying at ECU, becoming good friends with that young lady who wouldn't allow me to go to my room and wallow. Um, and at the time, all these things seemed to be a hindrance, but now I see it was just God using people to show that I am loved and that I was his. Thanks for sharing, man. No problem. Um, so you had these moments where you were like deep, deep in the pit. And yeah. in the moment, you couldn't necessarily see God working, but you can look back and realize, man, that, that friend saying that thing or that stranger commenting on that thing, like that was God present with me. So like, what does that look like for you today? Having experienced the depth of the pit, and now today, it's not like everything is easy and you're like walking on clouds. You still have hard things. But how did those experiences impact who you are today and how you navigate hard things today? Yeah. So now I do a lot of work um, kind of in that field of like help people deal with hard problems. So it's, it's funny um, just how that all came about, um, just having to be forced to kind of reconcile my own internal issues and like having to cope. And, um, but really just realizing kind of like who you are, what your gifts are. You know, you're not a finite thing. For me, if you can ask anybody who knew me from age, you know, three up until 20, Garland's the dancer. That's the only identity that I had. But um, just like growing with God and realizing that he has so much more for me than what I've prescribed for myself. And just like investing into just kind of knowing who he is and how he loves me. Um, that's what's been transformative, just like how to understand problems. Like, okay, wow, I might not be bad at this. My presentation might have been terrible, but, you know, there are these other things that God has gifted me with that I can, you know, display to the world and um, be a help. So, yeah, just, yeah, focusing on the right things is definitely a big part of that. And it's really cool, like, what you pointed out, that you had this idea of who you were and what your future looked like. And if God had come down and said, hey, Hey, Garland, you're going to be working with people that are in hard situations. You know, like, no, I'm going to be dancing with people who's got some hard moves. Like, right. like you, you know what I mean? But like, God in his wisdom, like, knew he had something far abundantly more than you could ask or think. Mm -hmm. um, it's just really cool to hear how he used. It wasn't like that pit was just this unfortunate part of your story. Like, had it not been for that your story would look very different. I think that's just beautiful how God can use a pit to create something that we could never have imagined. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Any other thoughts? Uh, no. It's, just, <laughs> it's funny because, like, I'm just thinking about, like, there was, like, a lot of hard moments um, when I tried to reach out to somebody, like my mm -hmm. roommate for one point. Um, I was just like, you know, what if, you know, I can never even walk regularly again? This is after the surgery. Yeah. Um, you know, what if, you know... I'll have to be on crutches or I get in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, you know. And, like, now I know, okay, girl, he was also 20 years old. He doesn't know how to, like, have those moments. <laughs> but, like, then I was just, like, because he just tried to, like, just get me talking about something different, you know. He didn't know how to be there for me in that moment. He was just like, oh, girl, oh, whatever. You're thinking too hard. You know, it's whatever. You're great. You'll be fine. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. But, like, I really needed to talk these things through. Like, I'm having 
these very dark thoughts, but it's just crazy how like even he was there for me. I remember one time um, I had the cast on wrong. Mm. So like my knee was still moving and then it got to the point where I couldn't even stand on it. They had to carry me to my dorm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, that's not friendship. I don't know what is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they carried me to the bus to get to our dorm. They carried me from the bus to yeah. my dorm room. I was just like, man, God is just really surrounded with people mm. who've like invested in me. Even when I don't always feel that they're there. Looking back, it's like, oh, they were there. I actually do have like really intentional and awesome friends. I was also encouraged when my friend Murray shared an email with the story he was sharing. Uh, Murray recently spent some time in the hospital and while there hit a deep, deep, dark place of loneliness and pain and fear. And God met him there. And he met him there in such a clear and powerful way that Murray knew he needed to share that story with whoever he could. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. The scripture is what I've chosen to uh, be over my testimony about my appendicitis. Essentially what took place was a couple days after my surgery, um, the reality of how serious the situation was started to set in and sort of the intense recovery that would be required became more apparent to me. And uh, upon uh, Lauren leaving one night after spending most of the day with me, I started to get kind of lonely and just also the pain and the nausea was setting in and uh, just really started to cry out to God and just getting to some of my weaker moments, um, realizing how helpless and how powerless I was. And uh, a song that the Lord brought to me was the song, Lord, I need you. Uh, every hour I need you. Um, and I just kept singing that over and over again because it connected me to the Lord and it was my way of expressing my uh, my pain and my sorrow, but my utter um, dependence upon him as well. Uh, I feel like the Lord answered that prayer. Um, Lauren actually came back to the room with Quan, a friend, and said, hey, um, Quan's here to see you. Uh, can you come in? And I said, yeah. So they came back in and it was so good to see them and Quan stayed for just a brief period of time, but had some of the most uplifting, encouraging remarks to give me. He's just telling me about a couple of his friends that he had hung out with recently and that they discovered in conversation with each other that they had a connection through me. And uh, each in each of those cases, individually, the guys were talking about just how much they respected me and how much I had impacted their lives. And, uh, and for me, that's probably like one of the, the most important things um, that I could hear. That's one of the most encouraging things that I could hear is that I positively impacted um, another person's life, particularly a young man from the community um, through, the, through the gospel and through my life story. And so uh, Quan and Lauren then, then left um, 
and uh, I was encouraged by that. It was sort of a ray of hope, uh, just sort of uh, a little message from the Lord to remind me um, that he loves me and that he's thinking of me. Um, but the discouragement started to settle in again, um, and the pain and the nausea were still there, and it was getting later at night, and uh, it's just really lonely, and uh, also still hadn't um, passed gas, which was a very important marker for recovery from from appendicitis. Um, I heard the Lord say to me, breathe me in, and I thought that was kind of weird, because um, I, I didn't know it's like spiritually speaking like yeah that's great i'll breathe in your spirit but it's like no literally breathe me in and i and all of a sudden i looked to my side and i saw this barometer which is the device that the hospital has for sort of rebuilding your lung capacity and it could be really important to to use that in a situation like this and actually my my mom was the one who asked for it from the staff and they brought it to me so i picked up the spirometer and I did about five or ten breaths in it, and almost immediately after that, a gurgling sound came up from my bowels, and uh, think things were activated there. Think something was moving, and I thought, "Oh, this is good. I I probably pass gas," and so um, kind of put my feet up and uh, let it let it come, and it just felt like a giant bubble coming out of my butt, and when it burst. It was more than a fart. <laughs> um, I totally crapped myself, and uh, it was actually kind of crazy, but very good because that was exactly what I needed to happen. And so even though it was messy and it was not fun, um, I was praising God because it was a healthy thing. It was a healthy sign, and it was progress was being made. This was a milestone that had been reached. Um, so again, in that moment, breathe me in, and then the actual physical healing that came, another another ray of hope from the Lord in sort of my darkest moments. Um, Lauren came back and helped me uh, get cleaned up and everything, and then she went back home for the night. Um, and then from about 9 o'clock until midnight, I was still kind of back in that space of like the nausea and the discomfort and the loneliness um and i just continued to cry out to god and it was like lord just like you are my friend like help me in this time of loneliness and of pain and discomfort and um i decided to take a small walk around the hallway because that's encouraged in this moment and about halfway around the the hall i hear someone from behind say is that you murray and I, I look back and it's uh, my friend Jennifer, who I had just met the year before through RCLI, which is a Christian class um, that I participated in. And she was just so happy to see me, uh, but I was so happy to see her because I just greatly needed a friend at that moment. Um, and not only was she just a great friend and a, a believer that I could talk with and pray with, um, but also, she is a nurse and that was her unit so she was intimately acquainted with all of the process i was going through and so she took me back to my room and helped me lay down and try to get comfortable again and she just talked with me it just greatly cheered me up it was exactly what i needed um i was having trouble sleeping so she helped me 
get some uh, some medication to, to help me go to sleep. She told me about a special channel where uh, it has just nice music and, and landscape uh, pictures to look at. Also told me about the chaplain, which I had not thought of, ironically, but um, just really cheered me up and sort of gave me many more things to consider, just positive things to consider in the situation, uh, more and more um, sort of of God's grace sort of dripping in um, into the situation. Um, and uh, it was at that moment that I just also started to realize that I kept asking the Lord, like, why is this, why am I even going through this? Like, Lord, wouldn't you rather me be back in the neighborhood, like doing the discipleship work that you've called me to do? Why are you putting me through all of this? Um, but I felt like the Lord was starting to show me that, like, this is what what you're experiencing right now will be used as a ministry tool. And there are people that you know who have been through even worse situations. And this will only help you sympathize with them. Those moments of profound brokenness. Finally, the next day when my mom came up to the hospital to see me in the morning, we took a walk around the hallway and I was relaying to her all that had happened and uh she confirmed that in me that uh she she of her own initiative said murray god's going to use this experience to bless other people and um and that was just when i just kind of completely broke down and was just crying just bawling uh, kind of releasing it all to god and it's one of those moments one of those cries where it just felt really good like i felt like i was I was healing as I was crying and as I was just releasing it all to God. Just another moment of like God's grace shining in to kind of have that moment with God and that moment with my mom, but also her confirming um, what I felt God was already speaking to me about this whole experience. Um, and then as we went back to the room, uh, the chaplain, which my friend Jennifer had told me about the day before, he came by to talk and pray with us. And uh, I just thought it was it was just like God uh, for it to be a Filipino chaplain. Uh, of course, with our family just having a significant life experience in the Philippines just a couple months ago, I just felt like it was icing on the cake that God wanted to just show me like, I see you, like I hear you, I know what you're going through. And um, here's a chaplain to comfort you and to pray with you and to talk with you. But it's also a Filipino chaplain. And so uh, his name was Lemwell. And we ended up talking a lot about his uh, life growing up in the Philippines, but then coming to the United States with his wife. But then also our family's experience in the Philippines this past summer. And so, um, again, another example of God's light just piercing through the darkness all these different mercies of God that uh, that came down to me over the course of that 12 hours um, was just really remarkable and showed me that even in our deepest, darkest moments, um, not only is God there, um, he's absolutely there and, and comforts us, but even beyond that shows us the significance of what we're going through and how it can be used to bless others and to love others. Um, in other moments um, in our in our lives. So I uh, praise the Lord uh, for all of this.
In both of these stories, we hear how God used others to encourage both Garland and Murray. How God used others to show them who he was. But maybe right now you are feeling like you are alone in the pit. Maybe you are feeling like nobody is there. And one thing that I want to encourage you with is the truth that even when you feel alone, God is with you. He says, I would never leave you nor forsake you. So what follows is an account that I shared almost a year ago of a time that I felt like I was alone in the pit and of how God met me. 2007, for the past year, 2017 especially, had, was, just, was just hard. Um, Doug uh, sometimes shares about four ways you can experience God. And like, there's like elevation as well when you're on the, then there's excavation where the ground falls out from under you and you're in this pit. That's the one you don't want, right? That's, yeah. You want to experience God in all the other ways. Uh, and, and for various reasons that I won't get into now, uh, just been living in a pit for a while. And as he you know, tells the example, like at first you're cries, like, God, get me out of here. God, get me out. Because you don't want to be in there. Like things that happened that were legitimately unjust or wrong or hurtful or painful. Uh, so how could that be good? Um, there were things that had uh, really severely attacked my identity and for a while led me to question who I was, uh, what God was calling me to, who he made me to be. That's soul crushing. And so uh, you, you're, you're just crying out, Lord, get me out. And then, uh, then you know, the story goes on that like you get to a point where you just, you're tired of clawing at the walls and you just kind of collapse. And, um, and you're really alone there. I feel like there is moments where um, people would walk by and look down the pit and be like, oh, gone or some people might not even hear me screaming from the pit uh, some people might hear me and say well climb out like why aren't you climbing out and then get mad at me that I'm still in the pit instead of getting out of the pit and it makes me sink lower and lower and then you you feel something and you find these jewels and so for the last few years I'm finding these nuggets of what God is trying to show me but then I get to a point where I'm like that's nice I've got enough nuggets now can I please get out of the pit <laughs> and so I don't know why this image came to my mind um, sometime this week, uh, but I was just thinking about the fact that like, when you go into this suddenly dark place, it is pitch black, right? You can't see a single thing. Uh, maybe that'll scare you. Maybe that'll make you wonder what's around you. But there comes a point where your eyes adjust, and then suddenly like, you can see things exceptionally clear. I used to do photography classes in college, and I remember the first time you go in the dark room, nothing and they have this little red light and you're like this isn't going to do a single thing the first time you go in you're like you can't do any work in here with this little red light and then five minutes later you're like oh i can see everything at this time and so i'm thinking about this idea of over time your eyes adjust you want it to happen quickly <laughs> over time your eyes adjust and and i just saw myself in the pit and the first thing i noticed is the claw marks on the wall and and i look and i'm like well, I was an idiot. There was no way I was going to be able to climb this thing. And yet I had exhausted myself trying to climb this wall. Uh, there's this verse that came across this morning. I woke up from a really bad dream this morning that like, I felt, I just felt some sorrow. Um, and I feel like I was trying to get me into a place of finding him. And so I looked up the verse of the day, which took me to Isaiah 55. And there's a part that says, um, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. But this part, 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? And I don't think anybody would go to try to buy bread and like try to buy a rock because they're stupid. No, like we think that we're buying bread. We think that we are laboring for the right thing. And the thing that God wanted me to see as my eyes adjusted is like I was laboring. I was fighting for something God had never told me to fight for. He had never told me to claw my way out of the pit. Um, our monoxology folks will appreciate this this summer. I was being really hard-headed and not getting that. I'm not a fighter. Uh, and then God started saying, like, very clearly, stop fighting, let me fight for you. And I'm like, God's the wrong person, I'm not a fighter, so. And then, this happened at least three times, he would say that, I would try to shake it off, and I'd be listening to music, and what song comes on? Three times, that happened. Like, okay. And I realized, like, I was fighting for things that legitimately were right things to fight for on a worldly level. I was fighting against things that were wrong, fighting against that. Then God was like, I never told you to fight those fights. I'm trying to do something different than make this situation work out, or fix this relationship, or get you the things that you want, or make you come. I never told you to do that. That all sounds nice, but what I'm trying to do is abundantly more than anything you can ask or think. And so I see this, and I realize, man, I've been exhausting so much energy on things that made complete sense, but was not what God told me to. And then the second thing I saw is I turned, and Jesus is sitting right there in the pit. And it made me think about that moment in the boat where they're freaking out, legitimate fear because the storm, and not the boat we were talking about, they were in a boat another time. There was a storm. There are fishermen on that boat that have seen people die in storms like that. They're throwing stuff overboard. They know that they're going to die. They know it. 100%, all of their knowledge, all of their experience said they were going to die. Jesus is asleep. And their reaction from a human standpoint is, what's wrong with this guy? Like, does he not care for us? Is he stupid? Wake up. Don't let us die. And Jesus is like, peace. <laughs> like, don't you know who I am? And, and if they did know who he was, if they had realized that Jesus was on the boat, that they knew that he was God, that he wasn't going to just accidentally die, that... That meant that if Jesus was sleeping, everything was going to be fine, and their reaction could have been, oh, I'm kind of tired too. <laughs> like, let's ride this one out and take a nap, right? Like, and so when I realized like God was in the pit, my fight had been to get out of the pit. But when I realized, oh, Jesus is sitting right here with me, like, maybe this isn't such a bad place to be. It is dark in the pit. It's, it's just, it can feel lonely. It can feel wrong. But anywhere that Jesus is, like that's where we should want to be. And from that space, um, once I accepted that, realized that, stopped fighting for things God never told me to fight for, start, started seeing that Jesus was not just present in a, in a Sunday school answer way, but like legitimately like present, God started working. Like not fixing the things that I wanted to fix, because that was never the thing he was after. He started working. And like... Y'all, like, this has been the hardest 365 days I've probably experienced. I've also never felt so close to God, so confident of God's work. Uh, I've never seen the Holy Spirit show up so much uh, in movement like that. That like, was, like, just ridiculous. Um, and so I just want to encourage anybody, like, Jesus, is, if you're in a pit, wherever you are, Jesus is with you. Uh, if you think you know uh, I'm going to stop looking up verses. Y'all know. 
But but I love that verse in Ephesians three twenty one. I think where it's like where it, where it says um, to to he who can do abundantly more than anything that we can ask or think. Because what that implies is that what we ask and what we think is extremely limited yeah. and sometimes wrong. Yeah. And so we've got to get to a place where like yes, let's be aware of what's happening, but. How often are we stopping to say, okay, God, this makes what I'm thinking, where I'm heading, all this makes total sense, but like, what am I, ch am I chasing you or am I chasing what I want? Um, how many times are we willing to just stop? Because if we are willing to stop and God says, yeah, hey, I'm going to go with you, but I want you to go in this direction, and it's not going to get easier. Uh, it's actually going to get harder, but you're not going to notice as much as you think you will because you're also going to be so close to me that like, you're going to have that inexpressible joy that we spend so much time in December talking about, right? Yes. So, anyways, I don't think I need to say anything other than God is legitimately God and legitimately good. And in any situation <laughs> in our life, that truth is true. So if we aren't feeling that, yeah. say, I don't care that I'm not feeling that because I'm going to own that that's true. Yeah. But I want to encourage anybody that's not feeling that right. Like, like I, I'm telling you it is legitimately true. God is God in your life right now and God is good in your life right now. And the things that you think should work out, God's going to do abundantly more. So earlier in this episode, I shared a couple verses from 1 Peter chapter 5, and now I want to share the verses that frame it, because I feel like they powerfully show who God is and what he intends to do in those pit seasons. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And let me read that last part again. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So whatever you're experiencing today, whatever pit you feel like you're in, however long you feel like you've been there, however alone you feel, God will restore you. God is God and God is good. He is present with you and he has given you the body and even if you feel like they are far or they don't care, do not underestimate what God can do even in those moments we can't see it. Be encouraged because God is at work. And while you're sitting in there, Look for the ways that he is present, active, and moving. Ask yourself, where did you see God?
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?